And the Bible says that there are two things that can hinder that race, that can slow it down or take us out of it altogether. The first thing is weights. The second thing is sins. Last week, I talked to you about drop that weight. And I was referring to the weights that hinder. That's what it means. Let us lay aside every weight. Well, let's read the verse and then I'll go right into it. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside what everyone? Every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares and entangles us. And let us do it, say it with me, run with endurance. Catch that phrase. That's where I'm going today. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where he is right now, and he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. So that's Jesus. Lord, we just thank you right now. I pray that you will bring home to us the reality of this race. And you will help us, Lord, to run this race better in 2015 than we ran it in 2014. Help us, Lord, more than anything to run encumbrance-free. No weights dragging us. No sin effectively entangling us. Will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, teach me. I receive from you your word. Help me to run well and run to win in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, run to win. Amen. Now, we saw last time that there are two things that can hinder our race or take us out of the race altogether. And let me just give you a picture. Picture somebody running down a racetrack. We've all seen it. There's somebody running down a racetrack, two people. The first one has on their ankles these ankle weights that some people put on that want to drop some weight as they walk. So they put these ankle weights on so they have to lift more and do more uh, exertion so they will drop some weight in their walk. But you certainly wouldn't put those on in a race you were running to win. That's a picture of let us lay aside every weight. A weight can be legitimate. A a weight can be a good thing. A weight is not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it is something that is hindering you, slowing you down, acting as a drag on your race. The Bible is clear that we're not in a, a, a 50 yard dash, but we're in a marathon. It's lifelong. The minute that Jesus came into our hearts, God stuck every person in this room who's a Christian onto a racetrack. Paul didn't say you're in a casual, leisurely stroll through the park. He said it's a race. It's a race that you've got to run to win. And he said you ought to have a mindset that I'm going to win this thing. As I started strong, I'm going to end strong. I'm in a race. I'm not going to peter out halfway through. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to walk away. But I'm going to maintain a pace, the pace of the race. And I'm going to reach the end. And I'm going to win. And I'm going to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Which every good runner is going to hear. So it's a race. 
So he said, there can be weights on you that slow you down and act as a drag on your spirit. And then there's sin that entangles you. So picture that one guy, he's running with those weights on his ankles. And, and, and when the race is almost done, you see him way back in the back. And he's not even remotely about to win. You know why? Because weights held him back. But then there's sin. Picture the second guy. He's running well. He is cooking down that track. He's really doing good. And all of a sudden, something happens, and he trips and stumbles and falls and weeps and cries because he knows he has lost so much time. That's sin. Sin makes you trip and fall. Weights slow you down. Weights take away from your maximum effort. Sin entangles you. It's like ropes being wrapped around your, your legs and you can't run. And suddenly, or, or like running into a pothole in that track. You hit it, you hit it, and you fall. That's sin. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. The besetting sin. Then he said, now, once that's done, he said, run. Run that race. But run it with endurance. So there is a, a, a disposition to the race. And the disposition is endurance. We're to endure. Now, you know that I like to, to cycle. I cycle all the time. And sometimes I'll go a little quick, little five, 10 mile uh, ride. And other times I'll go out to go 30 and 40 mile ride. And when I'm going to do the little uh, eight, 10 mile ride, I can punch it. I can give it everything I've got because I know I'm not going to have to conserve energy. But when I know I'm going on that long marathon, I pace myself, and I know that endurance is going to become involved because my legs are going to start aching. My lungs are going to start burning. I'm going to start feeling tired, and I'm going to have to lean forward to stop any wind resistance and lean into that wind and just push with all that I've got. And I'm never so glad when I see my car in the distance and I'm almost there. So that's endurance. When you're in a marathon, you're going to need endurance. You're going to have to have that second wind. You're going to have to have that second effort. You're going to have to give it everything that you've got. Uh, th th there's other words for endurance like perseverance or tenacity or persistence. Every Christian needs to understand that we're in a race where sometimes you've got to strain. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It is not a walk in the park. The Christian life is not a walk in the park. Yes, you have the peace of God. Yes, you have the joy of the Lord. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're delivered. But there is a strain to it because each and every day we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And every day we've got to get up and, 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 and involve ourselves in that race, get into the word of God, go into prayer, stay faithful to fellowship, do the will of God, do what God has called you to do, deny the world, deny yourself, deny the flesh, resist the devil. Every day it's a race that requires an effort. It's an effort. We mix our faith with the grace of God. We engage in what God has called us into. We are not bench warmers watching everybody else play the game. We're on the field. We're on the track. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a race. And everybody in here who has said, Jesus, come into my heart, you're running that race every day. We hear all the time, keep on keeping on. We heard that. Keep on keeping on. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just keeping on keeping on. 
But you know the Bible word for endurance is so much more than just stubbornly pushing yourself forward no matter what, just sort of stubbornly surging forward, moving forward no matter what. The Bible word for endurance is so much more than that. As a matter of fact, the Bible word for endurance, when it says run the race with endurance, let me give you three things, and I want you to repeat them with me. Uh, Bible endurance has a cheerful disposition a fixed focus, and a determined purpose. A cheerful disposition, a fixed focus, and a determined purpose. Those three things make up Bible endurance. The the very word itself means to bear up under a load with joy. Bear up under a load with joy. So let me talk about these these, these three things because I think it's going to help you in your race. So let's talk about cheerful disposition. First of all, you do know that our forerunner and the one we really look to and the one that blazed the trail for us is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. He ran the race and he ran it well and he ran it perfectly. He never tripped and he was never hindered or slowed down. So Jesus ran the race perfectly. He's our forerunner. Now listen to what the Bible says about him. For the joy set before him... Capital H, Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured. Catch that word? There it is. He endured. What did he endure? The cross. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And the cross was more, folks, than just stretching out your hands and feet and being nailed to a cross, although that was horrific. But for Jesus, the cross was listening to the slings and arrows and wicked and mean and cruel words of men. It was being persecuted. It was being lied about. It was being stalked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was being threatened, having life threats on you, threats of your life all the time. The cross was Jesus walking in his ministry, fighting the devil, resisting him. Picking 12 men out of the world who knew nothing and training them day in and day out, many times with frustration, many times with with, with hardly any response and very slow learners. For Jesus, the cross was also comprised of Gethsemane, where he went in there in the garden, took Peter, James, and John with him, and they went to sleep on him. And there in the garden, he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. And he said, oh, my God, my Father, if it is possible, remove this from me. That was part of the cross, part and parcel of the cross that Jesus carried. He bore that cross. He bore it in Gethsemane. He bore it on Golgotha as he was whipped up that hill, naked and bleeding in front of the eyes of men and women and children. When he was then crucified to that tree, the cross comprised so much more than what we tend to think of. His whole life was a sacrifice. His whole life was a dedication. His whole life was committed. That was Jesus. And do you know that when he was 12 years old, he knew who he was? You talk about precocious. You talk about genius. You talk about somebody with a mind you can't wrap your own mind around? Jesus? At 12 years old, he's sitting in the temple asking doctors questions that blew their mind. They were amazed. They were stunned. They were stupefied at the wisdom that came out of this seeming kid. He knew who he was when he was 12. 
His parents find him after three days, frantic, thought he was lost. And he said, don't you know that I was about my father's business? We'd like to hear that from a 30-year-old. He knew about all the predictions of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. He knew about the prophets of uh, the predictions in the Psalms. He'd read them. He, he was the one that inspired the writers to write them. David wrote in Psalms 22, Jesus knew this one inside out. My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like some baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I'm so thirsty and my tongue is swollen. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of wild dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. That was written a thousand years before the cross was invented. Inspired of God. I can count all my bones. I can count them all because they're all sticking out. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and they throw dice for my clothing. I'm nothing to them. I'm naked, bleeding. They took my one-piece garment and they're throwing dice for it. That's what I mean to them. And yet, listen to me now, Though all of these things Jesus knew, I want to tell you, Jesus' life was characterized by joy. Everybody say the word joy with me. You say, well, wow, Pastor Jeff, that was pretty heavy stuff to lead into talking about joy. Yeah, but I'm telling you, Jesus had a cheerful disposition. See, the first thing that endurance means is a cheerful disposition. Jesus had joy. Do you know that Jesus was always saying to his disciples, hey, be of good cheer. What's the matter with you? Do you know that God did not come to put a frown on your face? He did not come to make you look like the worst thing that ever happened to you was you got saved. He came to give a skip in your step and a a, a smile on your face and a gleam in your eye. He came to lift you out of depression and out of the mully grubs and give you a reason to live. That one of the earmarks of somebody that's really close to God is joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. That one of the earmarks of somebody that really knows God is joy. It's joy. Can you imagine Jesus having to tell the disciples, hey, cheer up. What's the matter with you? I'm the one going to the cross. In John 15, he told his disciples, I told you these things. Everything that I've taught you, that's what he's saying. Everything that I've taught you, I have given you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And your joy will overflow. Do you know how Jesus pictured his disciples, you and me, those of us who say we know him? He envisioned us, pictured us, desired for us, and predicted that we would have joy that was overflowing. Now, some of you, if you even smiled, your face would not know what to do. If you smiled, people around you would go into shock. Because to you, to be really committed to God is to be somber and sober and sullen. And you say to somebody, hey, why are you so, why are you so serious? Because Jesus is coming again. Well, that ought to put a smile on your face. The trumpet's about to blow. As Andre Crouch, who just went to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago, he's seen the Lord now. He used to sing, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. 
Hallelujah. Look at all the people he reached. You knew the song. Joy is one of the, one of the clear earmarks of somebody who's close to the Lord. He puts a smile on your face, the joy of the Lord. You don't have to smoke something to get it. You don't have to shoot something to get it. You don't have to drink something to get it. You don't have to snort something to get it. And, and I'm talking to Colorado here. You don't have to numb yourself out. You don't have to stupefy your brain. You don't have to commit intellectual suicide. You don't have to take anything from the outside in to get joy. Listen, joy is an inside job. And it comes from knowing the Lord. We need to change our whole view of Christianity. Christianity is a joyful faith. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And the more you walk in that relationship, the more joy that you've got. He said, well, Pastor Jeff, are you always that way? No, 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 no. But you know what? I work on it, and I'm sure more that way than I used to be. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank God for the joy of the Lord. See, some of you are going off to a restaurant when this is over today. And, and if you're real serious and sullen and depressed, don't tell them you were here. If you got some joy, then I want you to go out there and say that they say, well, why are you so happy? Hey, we just worship the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got the joy, uh, the, the, the joy of Jesus, and I was just at turning point. Because the greatest billboard for God is a smiling Christian. Not a fake Christian, not a phony Christian, but one that really has the joy of the Lord. One of my favorite posters I ever saw of Jesus it was a poster that showed him walking down a road, and on one arm was Peter, on the other arm was John, and Jesus' head was thrown back, and he had this great big, like he was laughing hard. And I said, how often do we think of Jesus that way? I'm going to tell you, Jesus enjoyed life. He enjoyed his creation. He had joy, and part of his endurance was he kept that joy and walked in good cheer. Some of you need to develop a sense of humor in your home. Some of you, your animals wouldn't know what to do if you laughed out loud. <laughs> your kids would say, what's wrong with mom and dad? I mean, you need to tell some jokes, good jokes, clean jokes, but jokes. Have a sense of humor. It's not all so serious and sullen. And, you know, I told the first service, I said, you know, when I'm going to meet my staff at the restaurant, um, sometimes I get there later than them. Here's what I do. When I get there and it's full and it's lunchtime, I, I don't. Look for them as much as I listen for them. Because wherever you hear laughter coming from the table like they're drinking a bunch of margaritas and they're not, that's my staff. And they're smiling, they're laughing, they're having a good time. They're happy folks. And that's the way I find them. And so you go up to them and say, Where'd you, why are you so happy? Well, the Lord came into my heart. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind. But now I see I've got so many things to thank God for. And it's just put joy in my heart. Joy of the Lord. So say with me, Bible, Bible endurance is cheerful, but it's cheerful for a reason. It's cheerful for a reason. Here's the reason. It's fixed focus. It's fixed focus. Listen to what it says of Jesus. Who for the joy set before him. Jesus had something in, before him, in front of him, down the road that he looked forward to, that he couldn't wait to arrive at. He had a joy set before him by God, set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him, he was looking forward to something. That's what hope is. Hope is when you wake up and you say, 
Man, I'm excited about what might happen today because I know who's got my life in his hands. Therefore, I'm excited about what's going to happen with my life. I have hope. Hope is when you wake up looking forward to tomorrow. Hope is when you wake up and you say, good morning, Lord. Not good Lord, it's morning. Now watch this. Who for the joy set before him endured. Do you see how it connects them? The joy set before him, he endured. Who for the joy set before what he was looking forward to empowered him to endure. To endure the cross. Now what was the joy that was set before Jesus? What was he so looking forward to? The joy that was set before Jesus is in this room. Think with me a minute. The joy that was set before Jesus is in this room. The joy that was set before Jesus is where he is right now, at the right hand of the Father. The joy that was set before Jesus was redeeming millions and millions and millions of people from the clutches of the devil, from a fiery hell, into a glorious heaven. The, 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 the joy set before him was his resurrection from the dead, his exaltation by God the Father, and his ultimate destination, that being heaven right next, seated right next to God the Father. The Bible says in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, the same verse, says... He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that was the joy set before him. He was looking forward to it. And because he saw what was going to happen beyond the cross, he endured the cross. Peter wrote of Jesus, he has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And he knew that's what would happen if he died on the cross for you and for me. So there is going to be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Every angel in heaven, every man, woman, and child on earth, every demon spirit and Satan himself in a devil's hell is going to have to say, He is Lord. And Jesus saw that coming. He saw that coming. Jesus saw that coming. And he said, oh man, I see what is coming beyond this cross. And you know what he did? He, he kept his focus on what was coming, not what was. He said, I'm not going to focus on these nails. I'm not going to focus on these unfaithful people. I'm not going to focus on my sleeping disciples. I'm not going to focus on the devil, the demons, the trials, the difficulties. I'm not going to focus on the garden. I'm not going to focus on any of these things. I am focused. My joy. There is a joy set before me. And that's my premium, premier, supreme, exclusive focus. I am focused on the joy set before me. Now, let me talk to you about your focus for a minute. Focus is everything. Most people in here maybe never stopped and thought about how important focus is, but, but focus will make you or break you, whatever your focus is. We've all got a focus. Something dominates everybody's day. Some focus dominates everybody's day. Some are focused on money. Some are focused on people. Some are focused, but, but your focus, you will become what you are focused on. The Bible says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So we, are, we have our eyes peeled on Jesus, and as we are focused on the things that are not seen, we are transformed into his image by, from faith to faith and glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Your focus will decide what you become. 
It'll determine if you're happy or sad, your focus. If you're upbeat or down, if you're victorious or you're defeated. If you're conquered or you're the conqueror, your focus will decide that each and every day. That's why every day I start my day with the Bible because I want to set my focus for that day. Jesus had a focus that was penetrating. It was laser-like. His focus was on what was coming once he was beyond the cross. If you want to be distressed, look within. If you want to be defeated, look back. If you want to be distracted, look around. If you want to be dismayed, look ahead. But if you want to be delivered, look up. Look up. Look at what what the apostle tells us in Hebrews 12 too. He says, looking, see what he's talking about, focus. He says, run with endurance, the race set before you. Here's how, looking, looking unto, looking unto Jesus, focused on him like a laser, looking unto Jesus who started your faith and he's going to end it. He that began a good work in you is going to finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. You didn't come up with your faith. He gave you your faith. He started it. He's going to finish it. And he's going to carry you between A and Z, the whole walk of faith. He's carrying you looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Paul had the same focus. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So notice, he said, I'm running this race and I've got to focus. And it's that one thing, this one thing I do, I keep that focus strong. Have you noticed... If you lose your focus on Jesus, you always drift. Have you noticed that? Lose your focus for a month and you'll drift because we are looking unto Jesus, our healer, Jesus, our deliverer, Jesus, our strength, Jesus, our encourager, Jesus, our guide, Jesus, our forerunner, Jesus, the one who went before us, Jesus, who is soon going to return, Jesus, we're focused on him focused on him. So what is our focus? It's him. And you know what? Our reward is going to be Jesus himself. Can you believe? Just think about the day that you're going to look right in his face. The Bible says, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know that when we see him, we will be instantly like him for we shall see him as he is. And whoever has that hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. That's what John wrote. So we're going to see Jesus. And and what a joy to be fixed on. What a joy to be focused on. Do you ever stop and think about that, that you're closer today than you were yesterday to seeing Jesus? One day you're going to look right in his face. One day you're going to look into the eyes of the one that died for you. Jesus said, listen to me, my disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Now here's the good part, that you may be where I am. 
that you may be with me. And any crowns we've gotten, we're going to cast at his feet. We're going to see Jesus. That's to be the Christian's focus. That was his joy and his focus. It says he despised even the shame. You know what that means? It was a shameful thing to be whipped up that Golgotha's hill, naked and bleeding in front of men, women, and children. Jesus stripped of his one-piece garment, carrying that cross until he dropped it, and Simon of Cyrene had to carry it for him. Our Savior whipped, beaten beyond recognition, naked. Most would have been terribly ashamed. It says... The, the Greek word where it says despised, it means he lightly esteemed it. He, he paid little regard to it. You know why? Because he was peeled, his eye was peeled on the joy set before him. So he endured. So can you say with me, Bible endurance has a cheerful disposition and a fixed focus. And one last thing I want to share with you is a, a determined purpose. It has a, a determined purpose. Uh, endurance has a purpose to it. There is a purpose to why we endure. And you know what that determined purpose is? It's very simple. The determined purpose of the race is to finish the race strong. I started, I'm going to finish. And I'm going to finish strong. I've been in this thing a long time. When I was 18 years old, I started preaching. And now being 30, I'm telling you. <laughs> I was 18 when I started preaching. And you know, that finish tape is a little closer now. It's a little closer now. And it's become more important to me, I think in these terms, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish well. I'm not going to drag across. I'm going to finish. I'm going to break that tape running. Made mistakes. Had good times and bad. But I stayed on the track. And I'm on the track. And I'm running. And I see the tape. And I see Jesus at that tape. Come on, Jeff. Come on, Jeff. Come on, Jeff. You're going to make it. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. Come on. You've come thus far by faith. The purpose of the race is to finish the race well. One of my favorite prophetic descriptions of Jesus, he was speaking in first person through Isaiah. And to I, in Isaiah, he says, first person, I have set my face like a flint. I've set my face like a flint. That's a statement of courage with a firm commitment to accomplish what God has sent him to do. In spite of all the scorn, all the hatred, all the persecution, he said, I have set my face like a flint. In other words, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to slow me down. Nothing is going to make me trip. Nothing is going to hinder me. I'm going to run all the way to the end until I, on the cross I say, it is finished. Nothing's going to stop me. I've set my face like a flint. Even when he was coming into Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified and he knew it, Luke 9.51 says, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Our Lord's race was marked by determined 
purpose, and he's the one living inside of us. You've got a finisher living in the side of, inside of you. You've got a great warrior finisher living on the inside of you. And faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. He that started you at the beginning is going to take you through to the end, and you're going to finish, and you're going to finish well, and you're going to finish strong in Jesus' name. So let's stand together, can we? And I want you to say this with me. Let's just sum it up. Our race requires endurance marked by a cheerful disposition, a fixed focus, and a determined purpose. Now I want to pray with you right now. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? And I want to talk to you just for a second. Please, as little movement as possible, unless it's this way. Because somebody next to you might be making some heavy decisions. They don't need to be distracted. With your head bowed. Say, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I used to run well. But something hindered me. There was a weight. There was a sin. I was held back by a weight or I tripped over a sin and I got out of the race. But I'm here today and God wanted me to hear this message. You're not here by mistake. You're here because the Lord wanted to speak to your heart because the most important thing you will ever do in life is finish that race. The stakes are so high. It's so important that we run well. So with your heads bowed, and you say, you know, Pastor, I used to really run well, but I did. I got sidetracked. I got detoured. I got deterred. I got off the track. And I long to get back on that track and grab that baton again and run and finish what God has called me to do. Finish that race. Can I tell you the porch light in God's house is still on. And he's still saying, come home. Walk with me. Run with me. The race. You can say, Pastor, that's me, and I want to get back on the track. I want you to raise your hand here today. Do it quickly. Raise it high. God bless you. Many of you, many of you, many of you. God bless you. I want you to let me do something. Would you let me? I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you if you raise your hand to slip out and just come and stand right here. I want to take your hand. I want to pray with you. Say, well, why do I need to come down there? Because it's a step of faith. If you're getting back on the track, what a good way to do it to just come down. So if you raise your hand, come quickly. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to stand right here. Come now. Just start walking. If you're with somebody, bring them with you. Say, go down there with me. I don't want to go alone. They'll come with you, but you come right now. And then while they're coming, I want to ask with our heads still bowed, if you're here today and you have never said, Jesus, I place my faith in you, I don't want to be religious. I want a relationship with you. And I need you today, Lord. I want you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. If you've got a question mark about it in your mind, then you need to settle it. And I wouldn't get in my car. I wouldn't go down the highway. I wouldn't, you couldn't get me out of this sanctuary if I wondered if I had a relationship with Christ personally, personally, and I'm walking with him that I know him, that he's my personal Savior.
with your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor, I do have a question. There's something deep down. I, I, it's just not settled for me. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. And I want to pray with you today. Put it up high where I can see you. God bless you. Already down here. Anyone else? All right, I'm going to pray with these precious people right now. And I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me for allowing a weight to hinder me or allowing a sin to trip me and entangle me and get me out of the race. I ask you to forgive me and come into my heart in a fresh way. Renew me and grace me today to get back on that track. Now, if you came to receive Christ, I want you to say this with me. Say, Lord, I believe you died for me. And that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Come into my heart, Jesus. I repent and turn to you as my only hope of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want those of you who have come down to look at me for a minute. This is a very powerful moment because listen, I've been sidetracked before. I've been detoured before. And I found that God is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so uncondemning and so restorative. And so I, I rejoice with you because the same God who first saved you is taking your hand right now on this altar. So I want you to do something. I want to give you something. It's very important you do this. Um, I want you to go into this a room right back here with this man. This is Robert. And a couple of other prayers are going to go with you. And he's going to pray with you again and then give you something to take home. Um, very, very important that you have it. We want to follow up with you, okay? We don't want to just say, hallelujah, we prayed, now go on. And if I see you again, well, then praise the Lord. No, I hope you're here again next week, okay? So would you walk with Robert right here, just right into the back. Go with him. Just go ahead with him. There you go. All of you, go with him. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm seeing some people, wow, that I encountered in public, and I'm seeing them now. Okay, good. Amen, amen. You're not on. I will be here today. There you go. I am. It's, it's long coming. All right. We want to do a really quick volunteer recognition. One of the things that pastor says all the time is we run on volunteerism. So our volunteer of the month program where we recognize folks, hey. we, we do that once a month. And today we want to recognize Estella Flores. So Estella. I saw her. Where's Estella? Come on down. There she is, way back there. Come on, Estella. And the thing about Estella, she's a runner. She's a runner, so she's going to get down here quickly. And That's let me it. see your mic just for a second, Brendan. She runs marathons, don't you, Estella? So this spoke to you today, didn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. It Tell them what you do here. Oh, my gosh. I do greeting, and I uh, also do the prayer heating team in the back. And, well, I do whatever the Lord calls me to do here. <laughs> oh, I like that. And now, Estella, God bless you. Give her a hand for all of her volunteerism. Amen. Amen. 
just a reminder, next weekend is water baptism weekend. So if you need to be baptized or you know somebody who needs to be baptized, next weekend is their opportunity. They can sign up online or you can go to the North Connection Point here in the North Lobby. For everyone, but especially the ladies, don't forget to grab a magazine and a bulletin. There's something very specific in there for the ladies we don't want you to miss. So grab you a magazine and a bulletin on the way out if you haven't done that already. And don't forget, we've got the building tour as soon as we're done. Yeah, please go upstairs, please. It's the upper room. Who knows? You might get touched up there. But go up there and leave something on the wall, you know, write a verse, write your name, and see what God's doing, okay? Now, tonight we're having growth track. We're going into the spiritual gifts tonight. So we've been meeting at six. We did six weeks with uh, the essentials, and now tonight we're doing the growth track.